Makers and Mystics Podcast presents Naming the Animals, an invitation to creativity by Stephen Roach with Ned Bustard. This companion podcast follows a chapter-by-chapter discussion of the book, Naming the Animals, published by Square Halo Books. To get your copy of the book, visit squarehalobooks.com or see the show notes of this episode. This is Episode 8, Conclusion. Ned, we have made it to the concluding episode of the Naming the Animals podcast. I don't know how I feel about this. I, I'm getting a little misty. I, so <laughs> I, I, I think I should be happy because we got it done, you know, but uh, I, I'd, I'd start all over again. This has been so much fun. It has been life-giving, and I have enjoyed yeah. so much that uh, was said throughout the episodes. Every one of the guests just had such a unique perspective on the Naming the Animals book and on how art and faith connect. And um, man, it has exceeded my expectations around every turn. Oh, it's blown my mind. And, you know, thinking back over all the folks that we've had on here, I want to get them all together to have a party, you know, just sit down and just so I can sit around and listen to them talk to each other because it's just been so, it's, it's just been fantastic. I knew this was going to be fun because I love the material, but it, it has just blown my mind. It's just yeah. been a great, great, great run. Well, I'm I'm uh, waiting for the invitation to that party. That sounds like an event I'd like to attend, but I'm excited for our guest in this final episode. And we have with us today, Dr. Steve Guthrie, who teaches religion and the arts at Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, Steve, welcome to the Naming the Animals podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be joining the two of you. Absolutely. And for those who keep in track, uh, if, you, if you're reading through the Naming the Animals book, uh, Steve Guthrie gets quoted more than anyone else in the book. Pretty sure. <laughs> well, Jesus, That's you know, right. but uh, <laughs> you make, it, it, your, your fingerprints are felt. When we were looking over uh, who should be on the podcast, uh, your name kept popping up. Like, well, well we, we quote him in this chapter. He, that would be a good one to put in. Well, he he's is. in this chapter too. Let's put it. And uh, That's right. we just saved you for the end as, as the the cherry on top of the Sunday. Yeah. I feel like my legacy is secured now. I can, I can retire. <laughs> yeah, you're done. You're done. Just, just. <laughs> That's right. If you say anything else, it's just going to mess it and tarnish this glorious legacy. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, you guys. I'll, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> yeah, have a good day. That's Bye. That's right. <laughs> Well, you know, I want to say to the listeners as well, some some folks listening to this that have also followed the Makers and Mystics podcast may remember the episode that we did together several seasons back where we focused on your book, Creator Spirit, The Holy Spirit and the Art of Being Human. And I'm going to make sure that I put a link to that episode in the show notes of this episode because it was such an incredible conversation and that book remains one of the more influential books that I've read on art and faith and uh, hence that's why your name came up in the quotations of the book many times, so. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Absolutely. Well, we've been in the practice of reading the opening paragraph of each chapter to start off the conversation. Mm So the opening of the conclusion begins as this, creativity is God's way for us to live in the world. 
Artist Kenneth Steinbach suggests the following. Creativity is manifest all around us in every direction and field, in everything that people do. We invent, we problem solve and generate. We transform our lives in actions that cannot be predicted by our circumstances. We organize objects and talk about them in ways that shape our communities and impact our world. We make objects and experiences that speak back to us, changing who we are. New forms of objects, experiences, and meanings are constantly being generated. Creativity is a quality of being that impacts our everyday experiences, our relationships, and our expressions of who we are. Creativity flows throughout our thoughts, our words, our actions, and our interactions. To be creative is to be human, and to be fully human is to know God. I'd love to begin the conversation just by getting your thoughts on that opening paragraph, and what does that spark in you as you hear those words? Yeah, that's a lovely paragraph, um, a lovely opening to your conclusion. I resonate with all of that really deeply. And I mean, what it sparks in me is an affirmation of what I think is kind of the central theme of the book, that, that God has created us to be creators. And so even, you know, the, the title of the book, name, Naming the Animals, that's, it's hugely significant that God, when God creates human beings, he doesn't put them in creation like toddlers in a playpen and, and, you know, please don't touch anything. I've got everything right where I want it. But that God's uh, desire and God's great delight is that we would contribute to and participate in his creation. So, yeah, I resonate with that uh, very deeply. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot that we can say about that theologically. It's not just that um, God had a kind of random list of five things that he thought it would be nice for humans to do, and then one of them is to create. But the fact that God has so made us tells us something about who God is and, and what it means for us to reflect God's image. And that's one of the central thoughts throughout the book is that creativity is not ornamental yeah. as, as one of the ways that I put it, but that it's foundational to what it means to be human And of course, in some of the opening scriptures of the entire Bible, we see this creative interaction between God and humanity in naming the animals, of inviting us into the creative process with God. And so that's something that brings a lot of joy to me is helping others wake up to their own own spiritual and creative inheritance that maybe they haven't considered before. Because I know a lot of people will say, um, and, you know, Ned, we joked about this in one of our previous conversations about saying, well, I'm not one of those creative types, you know, and, I'm, and I'll jokingly say, well, I'll give you time to repent, <laughs> you yeah. know, because it really goes so far beyond the fine arts and music or choreography. I think those are places where perhaps we see creativity most vividly expressed, but creativity, even as we talk about in this concluding chapter, we reference George Washington Carver and some of his inventiveness and how it came from a place of prayer or how some of the most practical, ordinary things can embody that creator spirit that you talk about in your book as well. Yeah, I, um, maybe, I don't know, 25 years ago now, um, I had a conversation with 
a well-known, a pretty well-known philosopher, um, and the particular person isn't important, but had a conversation with this fellow, not a Christian, um, but a, a highly regarded philosopher who's written about theology, or written about the arts, written about beauty. And um, I remember him saying to me, if I were ever to write a book devoted to the philosophy of art and beauty, I would begin with the fact that we adorn ourselves, which I think is really a, a lovely thought about the origins you know, of art and beauty, that I can look at you and see, even though, even though all three of us are dressed in kind of t-shirts and jeans and so forth, e- each of us thought about how we look today, you know, that we've made decisions about our hair and about our what t-shirt we put on. And I made a decision about, I put up a, a little uh, partition behind me because I didn't want you to see the mess of my room. And we make those sorts of decisions in our kitchens, in setting out dinner on the table, you know, in getting our children ready for school, that uh, we engage with the world aesthetically and creatively. Mm-hmm. So this really is not a fringe concern or a kind of, and, and even there, I'm just talking about the aesthetic element. Of course, creativity goes far beyond the aesthetic element. But this really is a fundamental dimension of how we engage with the world as human beings, um, the aesthetic dimension and uh, creativity. And as someone who has given your life to study in religion and the arts, why do you feel that it is important for people to recognize that fundamental creative aspect of who we are? Why is that important to our faith journey? And why is that important to us just as human beings? Sometimes uh, it's hard to know how to answer a question because there are too many ways to answer it. Um, Autobiographically, I think this was important for me because I, you know, I did not start off, uh, you know, wanting to be a theologian. Um, I don't know if anybody starts off life wanting to be a theologian. Um, heaven help those, <laughs> heaven help that eight-year-old. in there in his life too, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so for the, the first 20, 30 years of my life, I thought I was going to be a musician. And I went to school for music and I worked, I had a short, you know, kind of career, first career as a, as a musician. So to recognize that God is interested in this part of my life as well, that this part of my life is connected to the work that God is doing in the world, that these things that I do creatively and artistically are connected to God's intention for the created world and for humanity. So that was really huge. You know, this, this part of me is included in what God intends for the created world. That's important, I think. Mm-hmm. I think also, though, you know, sometimes you can lie by only telling half the truth. And creativity and beauty is part of the truth of 
humanity. It's part of the truth of the world that God has made. And so, if we are giving an account of human beings or an account of the created world that doesn't include beauty, that doesn't include creativity, then we're not telling, as it were, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, you know? So when, when we look at, again, since we've been talking already about the opening chapters of Genesis, when we look at those first two chapters of Genesis, it's clear that the author of Genesis wants to insist that this world is a world of extraordinary abundance and beauty. In the first chapter, there is all of the, there are all of these everys, every kind of fruit, every kind of flying creature, every kind of fish that swims through the sea. In chapter two, it talks about these uh, four rivers that flow out, you know, from, from Eden. And so you think about reading that as a nomadic desert person. <laughs> you know, there's this place where there, there are four rivers, you know, flowing out from it. So that what Genesis wants to tell us about God's intention in creating is God's intention is to create a world characterized by beauty. You know, God could have created a world that was merely functional, but that isn't what God intends. Um, and so if we're to tell the whole truth about the world and about human beings, it means also saying something about creativity and about beauty. You know, I think it's interesting as we're, we're talking in this episode, this is the concluding episode, this, this is the end, but we're going back to the beginning and that as we look at God's work across time and space and looking at God's scriptures, this, what we learn in Genesis never changes. This this beauty, this glory, this is the this is a story all the way through, and it doesn't change just because of the fall and 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 that that sort of thing. That we are, we have the same cultural mandate. We have the same God who cares about beauty, and uh, and that, that that that's the story, right? Which is to say, again, that this is not just kind of. Well, you know, these days people are interested in music and stuff, or people are interested in artsy stuff these days. But um, there, you know, this this is as fundamental to our humanity. The, that is, the arts, let's say, are as fundamental to our humanity as um, relationship is, or as uh, I don't know, sport or conflict. Or you think of what what are the things that characterize human beings across all times and places. One of those is art and creativity. One question that comes to mind to me from the chapter, it says, creativity is an inherent potential existing in everyone. But like all good things in life, creativity can be encouraged or it can be stifled and it can show up in any field of work. And one thing I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts about is the idea that creativity can be cultivated. You know, people yeah. have different views on that. People think that you either have it or you don't. But what we're proposing is that creativity is in some ways a, a part of what that means to be created in the image of God, to be created in the image of a creator. And so based on that idea, everyone has something creative within them. And we've talked about how that can show up in so many different places, not just the arts. Yeah. But for you, do you feel that creativity is something that can be cultivated within the human heart? Yeah, absolutely. I 
think one of the particular cultural dangers or one of the, the particular dangers of this cultural moment is that um, often people feel that um, they do not have permission to be creative or that creativity is something that characterizes just a certain unique subset of individuals so that if unless you are one of these uniquely talented individuals or unless you you know have gone to art school or something like that then you have no license to be creative and somebody from the musicians union is going to come and and lock you up <laughs> and so i think i mean so yes creativity can be cultivated and but there it's also the case and you make this point throughout the book and certainly in this concluding chapter that the people are already as a matter of course being creative you know they're contributing something to the world and so i think encouraging christians to recognize that as not just something they're permitted to do but something that god desires them to do to add something to the world is important so i think one way of cultivating creativity is that giving of permission mm-hmm. i'll give you a, a, i mean one example that comes to mind for one of my classes not too long ago i did a google search google image search for um people singing i think was the search phrase that i put in and uh the first 100 or so images that came up almost all of them were somebody holding a microphone you know um even if it was kind of like in a a party setting you know like in somebody's living room you know somebody with a, at the karaoke machine but somebody with this posture of center stage spotlight performer what people singing didn't bring up was a family around a piano or a group of friends around a campfire or a mother singing a lullaby to a child or so we've come to think of things like singing and storytelling and painting as you know things that we kind of um you know subcontract out to specialists you know <laughs> well i'm not a singer i mean so right and so to encourage people you know to do things like what wh- how about if you and your family after dinner one night sang a song together <laughs> you know mm-hmm. i mean wh- how would that be would people used to do stuff like that you know yeah you're allowed i think that's right number one you're allowed to and number two is Let's not make the word creativity all in caps in gold letters with a, you know a spotlight flashing on it, but recognize that it is just inherently what we're doing and who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we talk about in this chapter is the infinite possibility of creative expression. It's why you know, and and I like to think of it in these terms of like, if God is infinite, no beginning, no end, which is incomprehensible, right? But if we can just imagine to understand that a little bit, there's this infinite possibility within God. And when we think about like, I've been a singer, songwriter, musician, all of my life, Now, uh, only a sliver of what I've written may be good, but I've created song after song after song. There's, there's There's no end to creative possibility. And um, 
I tend to think from a faith perspective, like how cool is it to think that if our creative expression is married to our spiritual expression as well, that if we tap into that infinite well that is the presence of God, somehow that has to impact our creativity. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that, oh, well, as, as Christians, we're supposed, we're supposed to be more creative than the next person. And I've heard things like that said before. And I'm not necessarily saying that, but I do think that there is a, there is a possibility that unfolds for the believer that engages creativity from a posture of communion or from a posture of prayer, of worship, of connecting with God, Uh, The paragraph that goes along with this, it says, as artists or rather simply as image bearers of God, it's our job to defy the notion of impossibility within our creative endeavors. Does that sound grandiose, even offensive? I hope so. (laughs) It gives me pause even to write such words. And yet the infinite creator is inexhaustible. Therefore, we keep creating, we keep growing, we harness the discipline to keep reaching forward into the unseen and the unknown. We write another song, paint another canvas, take one more step into the kitchen or garden, always chasing beauty, always attempting to embody the invisible with words and colors and movements and tastes and sounds. And then I ended that part by saying, by abiding in the place of communion with God, we can learn to draw on His endless resources rather than relying on our own talents or personal resources. And I don't know if I have a question in that so much as I'd just love to hear what your own journey has taught you about that connection. Like with, with, I know in my own practice, sometimes I, I don't feel like I have the ability to write anything. I've said it all, I've done it all, I've come to the end of myself. But I think, I think there's a wellspring of inspiration we can draw from within our faith practices that I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on. One thought, I mean, I think it's helpful to um, connect the creative work that we do with kind of the resources of God, and then also the resources of the world that God has made. And what I mean by that is, if creativity is just kind of the manifestation of my own individual brilliance and learning and training, then very quickly, I think, I don't, what do I have to offer, right? And I don't think that's what creativity is. I think it's often how creativity, often creativity in kind of post-enlightenment Western thinking is a kind of the idea that each of us is meant to be a kind of creator ex nihilo, as if each of us just kind of, you know, is this create tower, you know, there are certain towering creative geniuses who summon great works out of thin air. But I think God speaks, and in response, life springs up. And it's not just that life springs up, but life springs up in a speaking sort of way, you know? And so that um, as we attend to God's creative work, and as we attend to the world around us, we should be um, hearing things, you know, that here is what the world says to me. And then do I have something to say back? So I'm not being invited to kind of 
come up with this great work that no one has ever thought of before. Yeah, I, when I was a, a little boy, what I wanted to do, I wanted to be a great composer. And I used to think of things like that, like, I want to come up with something like nobody's ever thought of, like there's nobody, you know. But no, what if, what if that's not the thing? But sure, you're just, somebody asks you a question and do you have a response, you know? Man, I didn't agonize over this interview because I didn't have to come up with a talk. I just, I knew, you know, that, that Stephen and Ned are going to ask me some questions and I just have to say, oh, I don't know. That's interesting. Stephen thinks this. What do I think? Do I have something to say? So that kind of, that's one thought, is that we have a much more abundant, kind of less limited vision of creativity if we imagine ourselves in conversation with God and the world God has made, rather than, I don't know if I have anything more to say, you know? When I think about, Lewis talks about the lack of need to be new or novel and mm-hmm. that, that we need to just just do what we're doing and if you're faithful in that you actually might make something decent mm-hmm. but then yeah. you know that's that i want to be that great composer i want to make that that one i mean it's crippling when you sit down and say i'm going to make that one piece of artwork that no one has ever done before yeah well sorry you're you, that that's not going to happen there's nothing new under the sun and just as, as soon as you accept that you're going to you're going to enjoy creativity a lot more there's also a way, and I don't know if this is too personal, but actually, as you were asking that question, I felt a little uh, wave of what we in my church tradition growing up called conviction. Mm-hmm. Um, is, you know, <laughs> you, see, you mentioned Creator Spirit, which I think I was published in 2011. I think I was asked to write that book in 2002, and I think I said no for like seven years. And before we started recording, Ned, you asked me if, if there was anything I was writing. And I'm, I'm working on a book now, but I felt very ambivalent about it. And a big part of it is I just think I, I have a hard time getting excited about writing because I think, man, I don't have anything like, like I'm not some, I'm, I'm not some great theological mind or like some, you know, like the world is not dying to hear. What does Steve Guthrie think about, you know? <laughs> Like, you know, I, I don't know. I think I think they are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm always looking forward to your Facebook post. So at yeah. least I like that 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 part of Steve Guthrie. Yeah, that's my true metier. My true calling is. is <laughs> We're going to collect those but, after your death into one volume. It's going to be. Love. It's true. I feel like that's my opus. Um. So, <laughs> but, but you know, that's there's kind of a scarcity mindset in that, and kind of a competitive mindset in that, like in order for me to write something, I have to be smarter than somebody else, or I have to say something, you know, if I have, uh, for me to have the right to write something, I have to be smart enough or, you know, um, that, I don't know, that uh, that's not a, a world informed by grace, you know, that, that God, um, one of the things that I do, that I'm, am thinking about a lot in this this book that I'm working on now is uh, thinking about the Holy Spirit as the breath of life. And isn't it extraordinary that God gives life to us in such a way that also gives voice? So that when God breathes into us, necessarily as a physiological necessity, as a physiological fact, we must exhale. And, the, and that exhalation of breath, again, as a an acoustical physiological fact is going to generate sound. God has given us life in a way that also requires us sounding into the world. 
And so God's invitation then in being human is to contribute your voice. And again, that's not just because, that's not like God being Oprah and saying, you know, each of you is a snowflake and I want you to... God is a giver. God manifests uh, the gracious, loving character of God's person by giving. And God invites us to be loving and gracious by also being givers. God invites us to to join Him in this ecology of gift. And if I say, no, I'm not, you know what, I don't have anything to say, then I shut down that chain of gift. Have you ever been in a a conversation with somebody and you're like trying to engage them and asking them questions and they're just like, yeah, whatever. You know, you ask your kid about, how was school today? Oh, I'm fine. Right? (laughs) That's not humility or like that. That's refusing to enter into this this conversation that I want to host. That's what God does. Oh, so good. And, and you're responding, I think, with the, with the when, some, when, you, when the gift is given, you give back. You can't give back to somebody in Alaska. You don't live in Alaska. You give yeah. back to the people who are in your community, who, who are in your, your circle. And I think, for me, I've thought that that's been very encouraging to me, that I don't need to be I don't need to be the rock star. I don't need yeah. to be the person on the stage that's having my image, bl- you know, blasted around the the world. I can just serve my community and give back. And I think you know, when when you're writing, that's the same thing. There's there's some someone is going to read that. Is everyone going to read that? No, but that's okay. Like, right. You know, th- those words are meant for a certain certain group of people, yeah. and praise God for that. And that that's your. That's your response. That's your breathing out, and that's something to take joy in. Though culturally, we are kind of bullied into thinking that you know that if if we aren't on, you know, in, in Madison Square Garden, then then it's nothing. Yeah, that's right. That's good, man. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us on this concluding episode of the Naming the Animals podcast. This has been a real joy to reconnect with you again. Yeah, thank you. I've really enjoyed it. I appreciate the invitation. Thank you for listening to Naming the Animals podcast. This episode was produced by Stephen Roach with music provided by Firefighter. If you would like to support the production of this and other art and faith-related podcasts, please consider becoming a monthly patron at patreon.com slash makersandmystics. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Makers and Mystics and leave a kind review on iTunes.